Okay, everybody, I'm super excited today because, well, first of all, welcome to the Bye Bitches podcast. Uh, I don't know how many different ways I can say bye bitches, but uh, <laughs> we are, we're okay, today we're talking about Survivor Australian Outback, the second season the icon, of the iconic show where, you know, here we, we talk about nostalgic things and actually even though CG, you were only um, like one year old, you're more the expert. And I'm just seeing this pretty much for the first time because uh, we have a very special guest today, Kimmy Kappenberg. And on Survivor Australian Outback, Kimmy, she's known for her lively personality and being a water provider. <laughs> she's a lover of chickens <laughs> and for not sacrificing her vegetarian morals by eating cow brain. Oh, cause so, and by coming, but come, she came back with the wind when she ate mangrove worm 23 years later, the oh time survivor biker and mom, Kimmy is here to guide us as we dive into season two of survivor Australian outback. Hi, Kimmy. Thanks for being Hi. here. Hi. <laughs> How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I mean, I I'm like, as my mom said, I've seen all the seasons, so I'm fangirling a little bit like, oh, that's you were, awesome. <laughs> you were definitely one of my favorite people in the second season. So thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yes. And shout out to Kelly. We we had we had such a fun time talking with Kelly and she was like, I will reach out to Kimmy. So thank you so much <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, she, she texted me at like seven o'clock in the morning one time. I'm like, are you on the West Coast right now? Yeah. That's usually where she was, but she happened to be visiting family on the East Coast. So I was like, okay, not horrified. Oh, yeah. We talked to her. She was in North Carolina or something visiting yeah. family. And yeah, <laughs> it's really, really. So like I said, um, this are we love to, um, you know, discuss nostalgia and the impact of shows that were just groundbreaking and changing. And, you know, we just did season one and I kept saying over and over again that this was the highest rated. And then I get to season two and I realized I was wrong. This is the highest rated survivor season of all time. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 So our season, um, I think they may have their finale may have been one of the highest ratings at, rated at the time, but our first episode aired right after the Super Bowl, And because of all the hype with like the, you know, the finale of the first season, like people were like, okay, those that hadn't even checked that out, we're checking ours out. And then, uh, yeah, so we had a lot of people that knew who yeah. we were. Well, and, and, and as Kelly was saying, she, they were shooting, it was almost like an independent movie. They had no idea what the impact would be. And, right. you know, just knowing that we were at the same time, you know, having 8 million people watch a show was considered great. And you guys were averaging 28, 30, 51 for the finale. Yep. It's a huge, huge thing. And it's not necessarily the first reality, but it's the first reality for it that in the U.S. that literally changed television for history in for, for history in history forever, because those kinds of numbers you know, it's a business. They're making money. CBS was like, whoa, we're throwing a lot more money into this reality thing. And now today, of course, even with the strike, the fall, the fall schedule is going to be even more real. <laughs> I mean, it from the <laughs> humble beginnings of yep. like what you guys did, it's just blossomed into it's just like a must be a billion dollar, um, multi-billion dollar. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm I'm sure it is. Am I allowed to mention any TV show names or no? You can. I can. It's reality. Whatever you want. Oh, yeah. You're not a part of SAG. You can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. I can say whatever I want, too. I just might go, uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Keep her mouth shut a little bit, well, but we can say whatever we want. <laughs> great. Well, because because one of the things was on my season, the second season, we were doing so well in the ratings. Um, and this is when we were airing on Thursdays. We were beating out friends in ratings. Wow. And you have you have to understand for their 30 minute program, you had major stars that were getting a million dollars an episode and then you had your hair your wardrobe your makeup people your set design all of those people so one episode is costing 10 million dollars the overhead yeah the above the line yeah and now we were an hour-long tv show you're not paying us i mean all together for all of you know the contestants um what it's 1.5 million in prize money or less that's being divvied up between everybody so you don't have the script writers the set design yes you still have production but i mean it was pretty cheap to go schlep everybody to a third world country and still make a lot of money you have a you have a production background do you not yes yeah Yeah. i did a tv and commercial production and and it it was really interesting to see, you know, in such a major um, setup, how how it really varied. Oh, my God, that brings I mean, I didn't that wasn't even one of my questions, but I think it's so cool <laughs> to see to, to, to just to, that you from, coming from because you produce commercials, correct? Mm-hmm. And just to, and you know what it's like, it's, you know, especially they're so f- commercials are fast. They're like mini movies and you do them in just a few weeks and it's, yep. you know, and and. But then when you see the product, how production, like, what were your, what was your take on how they were, you know, just the, just basically pointing and shooting kind of in a documentary style, I would imagine. Correct. Yes. And it was very funny. Cause so w- when we were out there, there'd be, you know, a camera guy, somebody doing interviews and somebody doing the boom and stuff for your audio and whatnot. And they might follow you around. And then, you know, you get your wide shots and your close-ups and you have people that were there. And then for challenges, you'd have a couple more crews. So I played the second season in Australia, which was still, it was a new beginning for them. Well, when I played 15 years later, it was three times the amount of people. Cause then you had people on drones, you had, pe- you know, people on every angle. And I was just like, dang, they, get, they got some more money in their budget. Right. I was always shocked. You know, nowadays you see in reality because, you know, you see everybody wearing mics, mm-hmm. uh, but you guys were, you, you guys get the boom operators are so great that you never had to wear mics. Right. We had, we did have mics on um, challenges and stuff when they couldn't be near us. Ooh. So we, oh, if you look at the, if you look in our backs, um, you know, they, there was always something somewhere and it was pins that, you know, we'd have to pull it up our shirts and stuff. Because, Even in the second season. Uh huh. Cause oh. if we were far away, they wanted to, they didn't do it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you figure like if we're strategizing at, um, you know, at one of the, um, oh my gosh. I think when we were getting ready to do a challenge, excuse me, like we're standing, you huddle up. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, when you're getting ready to go, if they don't have somebody right there, you know, they're not hearing any kind of juicy gossip that, you know, could pertain to gameplay down the road. And they want to be a part of everything. Like if you're out there, 
like Wigglesworth and I, we were sitting there, we were talking on the beach one day and it's like, okay, we're, we're being really, really quiet. Next thing you know, you're getting thumped in the head with a microphone because they want to hear what you're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. and how long did you, do you think you adapted a little bit? How, how was that with cameras in your face? You know, I think people who always fantasize about what would it be like to be on a reality <laughs> show? Like, did you, did you, did you forget about them quickly or was it still somewhat? I definitely was able to overlook it because they're, they weren't always like in your face because like, they, like I said, they did have the boom. And I think that there were uh, microphones around camp for, for different things. So that way they could, you know, not be right on top of you. Um, but if you were walking with people, there was somebody right behind you with the with the boom over your head trying to get everything because, you know, that was fast paced and stuff. And we didn't have microphones on us while we were at camp. What was the biggest difference? Like you, the first season, obviously, there were probably only two, three, maybe four people around camp recording. Was it like a big jump in production at camp um, from season two to 31? Or was it about the same following you with the mics and... It, it was about the same because they kept that very simple. And that's why I think that there were more microphones like hidden in, the, in our shelter and where we would always kind of hang out more. So they didn't have to be quite up, you know, sitting on your lap, so to speak. Right. But, um, you know, they, they tried to just blend in the background a little bit more. And that's what they did. But, um, you know, that there was maybe one or two, they, maybe two crews at each camp when we first got there. Cause you know, you had more people and then as it dwindles down, you don't need as many because you know, right. we're not doing anything. So I, I want to ask about the very beginning. Kelly said that she got, her mom brought her a flyer. Um, and that's how season one, like that's how they did casting. So how did you decide you wanted to do it? What was the casting process? Like, was it a little more formal after the first season? Well, I wanted to apply for the first season and there was um, I, I was from Long Island and in the Newsday newspaper and the entertainment section, it said, hey, we're casting for, you know, this the CBS show is doing this and we're casting for it. And I had wanted I was like, oh, heck, yeah, I want to go. I want to go have some fun. And my boyfriend at the time was like, you're not going to leave me for, you know, <laughs> two months and blah, blah, blah. And I was like. Well, I'll think about it, you know, and then they had casted and done everything. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply for this anyway. And back then we were making VHS tapes. Okay. That's how long ago this was. But my production background came in handy because I was able to edit this great piece in three minutes. Like my, my boss, I was out in the Hamptons wearing high heels and I had a backpack and I made a big sign that said Australia or bust. And that's how you saw me walking down the highway in the Hamptons with that big sign. And that was my opening shot for my videotape. So they clearly knew right away. I was not shy and that makes for good TV. And then I was able to go and talk and they sent you you to, you had to go to LA actually and meet them. Well, first we did an interview. They did, um, I think 100 people in major cities. And I went to New York and I was upstairs. I did my interview. They told me the interview would take about 10 minutes. I was there for an hour. And then I said, "Okay, we'll call you, you know, if if we want you. And by the time I walked downstairs, you know, 24 store building, um, got down in there into the lobby. And the guy was like, hey, are you Kimmy? And I'm like, yes. And it was they, they called me up and they said, Go have your medical done. Go do this. We want to fly you out to LA to be one of the fifty. That is so, so it was like immediate. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, that's happened to me once. That happened to me once on. Oh, bleep it. Hey, bleep it. Watch it. <laughs> watch My editor will bleep that. <laughs> uh, no, but you on a television on a television show. show, but it's great. Well, you walk in and there's like 20 people. And then as you're they're like, everyone but you can leave. And I'm like, what? Yay. But that's yeah. that, that. I love that story. But what is it about you that that because reality probably wasn't like it wasn't in our living rooms at that in 2000, 2001 so much. But what was it that I want to know about you and your background that made you say, I want to go, what was it, live on a, survive on an island and, or I guess it's Australia. The outback, yeah. yeah. Like what, 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 what was it that just caught your eye that you're, are you adventuresome? <laughs> you can't, are you an outdoors person? Like, what is it? I always went to summer camps. Like when I was younger, I would, I was an avid reader. Mm-hmm. So I would read, you know, all these things about summer, about summer camp loves and, you know, you know, summer camp mysteries. And so I had told my mom when I was younger, I said, look, I want to go away to summer camp. It has to have horses. It has to have boys. And it has to be sleep away. So <laughs> and she was we, like, yes, no, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> go. So next thing you know, for five summers, I was up in Watkins Glen um, of state New York. And I was going sometimes for six weeks at a time to, to summer camp just because I, I loved the adventure. Oh, I loved the fun. So when this opportunity came along, I was like, all right, well, let me go and have another adventure. Um, and I was like, oh, it's going to start getting cold in New York at that time, maybe when they're filming. Let me go be warm. Let me go have fun. Um, but no, I wasn't smart because I'd never once thought, well, let's go win a million dollars. I did not think of that <laughs> for the first so, one. So did you watch the first season? I did. I and did. Because, okay, so one of the things that we were discovering is that the first season, because one... We're trying to hopefully introduce we're nostalgic for people who love the show, but maybe introducing it to CG's generation who hasn't seen the show because that first season will be is unlike any other because the everybody knows that it's a game now. Some people went in just thinking, like you said, I'm just going to go have fun and survive. Uh-huh. And Richard Hatch went in and said, this is a game. I'm going to create an alliance, and which is the way it's always played now. So you right. didn't have a, that was not your plan going in. You just went. I, I just wanted to go and have fun. That was, I mean, it was like, okay, it's a free trip to Australia. I'm going to go and, and when am I going to have this opportunity to go and do that, you know, on someone else's dime? And all right, let me just go. And, and that's what I did. I'm, I'm not very good at strategies. <laughs> well, even in the second season, you can see that like alliances aren't formed like right away. I think the first alliance that was formed at all was like Alicia and Jeff Farner. And it was like, Uh not even really like one, like the second season, it still seemed like a lot of people there were like going to have fun. Like there was some strategy with it, but um, because it was still starting off, it did still seem like, you know, the wanting to have fun. And that's why I would do it. I would want like free trip to Australia. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. Cause Australia is very expensive to go fly to and (laughs) You know, so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go for a couple months or six, eight weeks. Yeah. So you just mentioned flying and you guys, I mean, I think they try to make every opening somewhat unique and you guys Uh open on this spectacular, you know, this military plane coming in and it's silence and you're not allowed to talk and Jeff is speaking and all that. Like, what was that experience? Just like that whole opening beginning. And then you have to do this long hike. So so that was when once all of us got selected in L- in LA to to go 
we all went around the country. We were flown to different places to go learn how to um, skydive. Because originally we were supposed to skydive into Australia. You're kidding. No. By yourselves. Yes. But that, I guess, became too much of a liability. So actually, my skydive school was like somewhere in Northern California. So I flew up there and I'm at the at the airport getting in a cab. And they're like, where are you going? And I go into this like tumbleweed town in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm coming to skydive. And they're like, oh, that's too bad. Somebody somebody was just killed up here like a couple of weeks ago. Scott. And I'm sitting there and I was like, I was going to I'm like, I can't do this. Like you're like, I signed up for fun, not to right, die. Right, <laughs> right. Like I was really freaking out. And then I mean, I think the day that I was supposed to start my classes, which was like the day the next day, um, they were like, nope. We all got phone calls and some people had already jumped out of planes, wow. um, but I had not um, because they were like, it's way too much of a liability. And also you figure you have 16 people going in. Um, what if one or two of them on landing broke their ankles? You know what I mean? Like it, it ruins the show. Right. <laughs> so, that, so that was our original plan. But um I liked it better that we were just in a military plane. I, I mean, the most magnificent thing, I was very lucky because I was at the end of the plane and they had it opened up and you're, you're looking down and I am looking down at clouds. Like you feel like you can touch them because I mean, Jeff is sitting right there on the edge of the plane and it's an experience that I still remember over 20 years later because it was just that magnificent. Wow. That's awesome. Enjoying that journey, being in the moment. Yes, you uh, you yes. seem like somebody that you you live in the moment and yeah and, and really yeah really savor that. That's uh, so. You said you've always been adventurous, and you went into this experience, you know, looking for fun. What was the hardest aspect of actually having to survive? Because it's not you know regular camping. Was it the hunger? Was it the weather? Like, what was the most difficult thing for you? The the most difficult thing was definitely the people, um, <laughs> and and because if you have somebody, your buddy, somebody that you picked, that's your friend, you feel like, okay, we can do this. We're going to do this together. When you have people that you didn't connect with that are there, it's, that's very isolating. Like I would have um, felt better almost like if I had been by myself sometimes, because then you don't feel that rejection from people that are around you. But it, it, it definitely, I don't know. It, it was very emotional when you didn't think that it would, because these are not people that you're typically exposed to that survivor. The greatest thing about survivor is that there's always somebody that you can feel like you can relate to that's there, whether it be, you know, gender, age, where they're from, their education, their religious backgrounds. I, I mean, I was from New York. You have some people that come out of the Midwest that have never been out of their state or never been out of their town. So I don't want to say there's an, uh, and uh, they're just not educated and worldly about certain things, you know? And so they have like an innocence and wonder, um, that you're exposed to somebody different, you know, it, but sometimes it's great stories and everybody meshes. And then there's other times where it's like, Oh, good Lord. Like it, right. it causes conflict. And then right. you put that on, on top of lack of sleep and being hungry and the elements, it definitely, 
The emotions are heightened with all of those yes. things. We all like hunger and, and emotion and feeling lonely and all of those things. I can, I mean, it, it, it is a recipe for amazing TV and the audience is obsessed mm-hmm. with watching people and we're still talking about it today. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it like strips people down to like the most raw human experience. And you just, you really see like what's on people's insides, I guess. Like when you take mm-hmm. away like food and comfort and everything, it's like, it shows what people are really like and can either be awesome or it can be awful. But yeah, was it, was it easier the second time around to connect with people? Yes. Um, it was, it, yes, it was, it was definitely easier. And then, um, the, the second time I had a totally different motivation for going. Right. So, You're like, so I'm that, ready to play this time. So that, <laughs> so that, you got voted in by the fans. That's a big deal too. Yeah. They, they yeah. had, they had a, they had like a hundred different people and 20 of you were chosen. I think that's awesome. It, it was, it was, it was amazing. Well, that's because my, my time on my first time on Survivor, I was memorable. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have much of a filter on my mouth. So, you know, sometimes I have to, to think I think you'd fit in very now. well with our family. We don't really either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you know, there's a lot of cutting up that goes on. Um, and that's why it was so hard the first time when it's like, wait, you don't like me? What's, what's that? What did I do? Because it's, it's, you know, I'm just me and I'm having fun and I'm silly, but sometimes people don't know how to take that. Um, but the second time I played, you know, I always say the first time I was single, I was from New York, I was in my 20s. I knew it all. The second time I played, I was in my 40s. I was a single mom, you know, divorced and realized I don't know anything. So the older you get, the more that you don't know and try to learn something every day. And the one thing that I learned playing the second time was I don't have to be forceful with my opinions and stuff. I can have a little bit of grace, tell people my opinion so I'm not a doormat, but then walk away instead of being like, you know, the loudest one there and just being like, okay, we got to do it this way. I will state why and then just plant a seed and then be open for conversation. And I think if you take that kind of approach where you don't seem um, just so aggressive about things, people listen to you more. To playing too hard, too fast is uh-huh. not always. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm we're watching Big Brother it. too. So. I'm just learning how people are like, Ooh, <laughs> this is all brand new to me. <laughs> like, yeah. Too hard, too fast puts a target on your back. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, it, but, and, you know, and I think that's even just as a human being, it, like we don't have to say everything, but then, but then you're in a, but you want to be a good character on a TV show too. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some real, some reality shows, I think people create their characters a little bit more. I would think like with the housewives, they, they tend to overdo it. But I, I think that for some reason, Survivor feels a little pure, a little bit more pure because it's not, I mean, do you ever have producers talking to you in your ear, telling you what to do? Because I know like on bat on the bachelors and the housewives, they do that. Well, we're, we're different because like the, the housewives, I don't know about The Bachelor, but we actually, Survivor still falls under gaming laws. Like, we're not just reality show. We're it's a game, game show. A- oh. So game shows have some different rules that they have to follow because you can't, like, manipulate. What what was it? Like the... Oh, because you're winning a prize. Pyramid. Correct. So, oh. like, remember, I, I think you know, in the seventies or eighties, there was some um, manipulation with the $20,000 pyramid or something back then. Mm -hmm. And then 
there became regulations for game shows at about trying to manipulate the ends and stuff. Oh, uh, so, so the, the legalities of it, they have to follow. That's an interesting correct. point. I just I didn't know that. Too. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's it's a little bit different back then, you know, with that. Well, I have a question. Did did Kel actually eat jerky? Or did he eat grass? Because Jerry was such a, she was so like, do you know the story on that? I, I, I do. Um, and this is, again, I was not there and anybody can say right. anything, but I do know Kel's character, Kel, not a character that he played, but his character as to who he is as a human. Um, we were, we were good friends like after survivor um he actually came to my house and we would we went out we weren't dating but we like hung out a few times kel is ex-military or prior military he is a very proud guy very like kind of by the book and i do not believe and he said he goes i would never do that i would never jeopardize my reputation you know his his name um his military you know he's very proud of that I just think it was a way for Jerry because. to just poke a bear and 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 that's do something. That's kind of what I think. I think that's because I'm I'm always trying to look and see what what story the editors are telling us. And I that was my conclusion that that you know, I mean, he would have had to have snuck it in, right? Uh-huh. Or like brought it all the way. Do they like search you and make sure that you don't have stuff? Or I mean, I've heard stories of people trying of sneaking things in. Oh, and they have. Right? Oh, they, no. <laughs> they people have, but I don't think that on season one that this guy knew, like, yeah. how would how would you know that you were going to be deprived of food and things to go and bring something? Right. You know what I mean? They tell you what you can. You can bring a luxury item that they have to approve. You bring some clothes, this and that. So yeah. you, you do that. He, how would you even know to to um, to bring it? Right. You know, right. yeah, it no, seems I, like it'd be too big of a risk, like not even worth it. Like. Yes. I mean, you want to win, win a million dollars or have some beef jerky, right. you know, for yeah. a day. Yeah. And it does seem like, yeah. I mean, yeah, they categorized Jerry as the first like true villain or somebody said uh-huh. I saw. saw is, yes. is that true? Like they, they, I mean, is that true? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, so. she, yeah, she tried. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, she was trying to take a target off of her back because I will tell you any day that you were out there anybody could be have a target on their back they could be it doesn't matter if you're strong if you're nice if you're whatever it's just one person can rub you the wrong way i mean you could have burped in your sleep last night and offended somebody and now that's it you're the one that we want out but then six hours later somebody you know somebody spills water and it's like oh my gosh they spilled water or the next day, somebody feels sick. So every single day, it doesn't matter where you are in that pecking order. You could do something where they want to get rid of you. And I think Jerry, because she was having some of her own issues, the easiest thing was to now stir the pot, get the attention away from her, which is a which is great, which is a great strategy and be like, OK, well, Kel's doing this. We can't have this person over here. And, you know, just any bug that you can put in somebody's ear it, it seemed like you guys were allowed to bring quite a few clothes is that true 
I mean, it felt it felt like I mean, like I'm 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 just because I'm only I'm only been invested in season one and two, mm-hmm. and I know there's other every season has something different. Mm-hmm. Were you allowed to bring us? Is it a certain amount? Because everyone, you're in the outback, so you have tennis shoes, and because I always keep thinking of like naked and afraid, where they drop yeah. people li- literally in naked. Yeah, I was like, how does anyone do that? Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's not enough of an incentive to me. Uh, like, talk about younger, the liability there, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't want lo- bugs in my lady bits. I, I just, yeah, no you know, just, just go go over there. Okay, yeah. so so we were kind of like near in the outback. I guess it's almost like desert like. So at night it got very cold. Yeah. If you notice, we were all wearing hoodies. But if you also notice, all of us were wearing or two or three of us would have the same outfit because Reebok decided after the first season that they wanted to sponsor us. Product placement. <laughs> so, so we did. We're all wearing the same shoes. We could pick out a couple different pairs of shoes. So all of us have some of the same ugly shoes. Sorry, Reebok. The black, the black hoodie. The <laughs> Well, I loved all my shoes, but there were, we, there were these yellow. They were mustard yellow shoes. And it was just like, ugh. But they were great. Um but we went and we had, you know, even even our um, our buff, it said Reebok on it. Mm. Um, so that's why all of us got to pick the same thing. And I think we had we got to have like three pairs of underwear, um, shorts and pants, socks. I think it was like three pairs of socks, a couple pairs of shoes. And then originally I had picked a long sleeve white shirt. But then when they were doing, um, you know, doing the videos and playing it back. They were like, nope, because it's not good for the camera lighting. So then they took that away and gave us something else. So sometimes it looked like we had a lot more clothing, okay. but it was they were also Switching adjusting some of what they had. Right. Because there was a learning curve for them still. Can I mention something that that resonated with me personally? Because um you you talked about how you thought the water and the river was dirty. Was it disgusting? It was horrible because so. I, f- I find that there's two kinds of people in this world, <laughs> people that have grown up near lakes and people that have grown up near oceans. Now, I am from Long Island. I trust the ocean. I will swim with sharks. I will sit in salt water. I will do whatever. Muddy rivers and lakes and ponds and streams. I want nothing to do with it because it's I, I think alligators. I think water moccasins. I think it's, you know, more dangerous. And when we were down in that water, um, when Mike had killed the pig in this in this season, he just took the carcass and put it right by oh. our camp water. I'm like, I'm not going in that. I'm like, that's crocodile bait and it just stinks. And then there were like little leeches that would sometimes get on us. And I was just like, nope. There was no way to actually feel clean, like ever. I mean, I guess you you could if you went to like a bigger puddle, but not, you know, the riverbank and everything. The water there was very little. Um, some of the deeper water farther out. Yes, you could feel clean, but right there. No, no, it it looked nasty. Awful. It it was. And, and bottom line is we were camping. Okay. I don't care who you are, where you are, when you go camping, you're not coming home smelling like a rose. (laughs) You know, it's not like I went out, you know, they, they, they were calling me a dirty girl. That's right. I was a dirty girl out, out camping. You know, that's exactly no one's going to be clean while they're camping. No, I mean, I think it's interesting how, um, you know, as a viewer, you're watching these different reward challenges and it's like 
you guys had the toiletry reward challenge. Was that a good reward to have that soap? I think because we had a toothbrush, that was good. <laughs> you know, because again, if you see the seasons and the episodes, everybody's always picking their teeth and, and stuff. I mean, was toilet toiletries to me was a luxury, not something that I, you know, you can keep using that you're going to get a benefit to. You know, is it, it one nice. toothbrush? For everybody, it was one or two. Yes. What? And they were going to. Yes, exactly. And somebody had if you look, somebody had a little something going on on their lip. And I was like, I'm not like you don't want to be number one. I think we drew straws or something to go in the pecking order. But it was like, OK, because I was so fond. That's against that's dentist of America. You're not that's like one of the most disgusting things I think I could do in my life is share a toothbrush with anyone you wouldn't share it with me no i don't, okay. don't care see? that you gave me life i am not sharing a toothbrush with you no. absolutely not I, I there are some people that that like because i'm obsessed with brushing my teeth okay mm-hmm. like I, I i leave the house and brush my teeth i come home i brush my teeth it's just my it's just my little it's my habit but out there i went and i boiled because i was famous for boiling all the water out there i went and i had this big cup and after somebody brushed their teeth, I was scooping it in there and swirling it around for like a minute. Yeah. I'm like, because to kill even the bacteria, old, whatever. Yes, and, and then go to number two. And some of them were just like, I don't care. It's like, I don't know you people. I mean, that's I like going that. into a bathroom at a hotel and just picking anybody's thing. Like, uh, yeah. If, oh. if I had if I had to go brush my teeth and I didn't have a toothbrush or I went to my brother's house or something, I might go and grab it, and put it under hot water and brush my teeth because I know him. But <laughs> no, I the boiling, I think, I think I, that's even crossing the line for me. I think I'm a little <laughs> bit of a germaphobe. Like I can't even imagine using your toothbrush, mom. I'd rather use my finger. Like, yeah, I, I would boil if I had to. I would boil. But 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 then yeah. let's talk about something that was one of the hardest things for me ever watching reality and why I stopped ever watching like fear factor was the food eating challenges. Mm-hmm. And that's gnarly. I mean, there's so many physical things that I'm like, Oh, I could never do that. But the food eating challenge, and especially for you not eating land animals. Yeah. That was hard. And you stuck to like you, and you, of course you get cow brain. Yeah. Uh, I, let, let me tell you, if you watch, this is one of those things where it's like, all right. Everything was way too convenient because you had, I think, grasshopper and cow brain. You had the the, the cow stomach. And then there was like where it landed, uh, you mean? And Yes. So these are all of your options that were on there. There was like an apple and a Snickers bar. So you had all these things. And of course, you know, it was for sweet, wonderful, kind Elizabeth. She gets like the, the, the Snickers apple bar or, or yeah. the apple. Yeah. And then Roger, sweet, wonderful Roger gets the other one. So one gets the apple and then me, The like I would have tried the bugs. I would have done anything else. But you're going to put the cow brain like uh-huh. really the irony. Is there some, like a little per, a, a person underneath like going, let's make sure. <laughs> I mean, I just when I say like. That was my lowest point was when it landed there and I and I wasn't going to eat it. So I was in my 20s at that time. I think it was about 26, 27. And I stopped eating red meat when I was 12. Mm, So at that point, it had already been 15 years that I had not eaten red meat. That would have messed up your stomach if you ate like. Yeah. Um, Yes. 
And then I stopped eating poultry in 1990. So this was now, however many years later, like 2005, maybe. I don't know. This is years later. And for it to land there, like I wasn't all of a sudden going to to do that. Mm-hmm. But then when they did the tiebreaker and it was a mangrove worm, I was like, I went from literally my lowest point of the game to my <laughs> highest point because I, I did it. And... I ate a worm, but it's so funny because if you take that episode and that challenge now, and if you had played that now as a new episode, people would be applauding me and thinking I was great for standing up for my beliefs. Whereas back then it was just go with the flow. Why do you want to make a wave? You can't eat a cow brain. Just go ahead and do it. And I mean, I got a lot of flack from from people but now it's like oh she's humanitarian she's kind she's it's a totally different perception by the viewers of of how that you know of how that plays out and didn't there of course um pita definitely had some things to say about mike killing the pig correct mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah. did they did any so i i know i haven't watched the other seasons did anybody ever do that again in survivor I don't think so. No, nothing that nothing that it's all fish or like like crabs or fr- like little things. Yeah, never anything as big as a pig. Yeah, no, I thought no. it was like the psycho killer knife. He said he was like, "I'm in the mood to shed some blood." I was like, <laughs> it, it, "It just." I was just very surprised that you had the young piglet and there was no mama pig anywhere. I, oh, I thought that was awful. Yeah. I, so he I kept talking about it. That was awful. You, do it, you think it, production just conveniently made sure there was a pig nearby? I, I have no Mom, idea. You're just they, trying to dig at the production. You're like, production do this? I don't find it do like, this? Like, like, you know, I mean, what, no. Hollywood, man. I mean, no. <laughs> I, the only reason why I say that is because when that happened, this is it opened up a big can of worms because that became a very publicized news thing. Where this pig come from without the mom? Because we're sitting there and before you go out, it, we went into the bush, but for any, any survivor, you always have somebody come in to the, to the, all the contestants, the tribes and, and they sit there and they tell you, okay, what's edible, what's not edible, what's legal, what's not legal. You, you know, we have all that information at us and they would say, okay, watch out because if there's hogs, you know, moms are going to be protective of their babies. You know, if there's a kangaroo that somehow gets over here, you know, they're aggressive animals. They're not like the cute little cuddly kangaroo that you see or, or whatever that's out there, you know, and there's deadly snakes. So this is what you have to do. So when that episode aired, people were like, and even when we were there, it was like, okay, well, if there's a baby pig, where's the mama pig? Mm. Because that's what they told you. And the, you know, in your um, information, you know, your safety meeting, so to speak, you know, yeah. that if there's a baby, there should be a mommy. Well, so people were questioning it. Yes. And then especially when it aired in PETA and it's like, okay, well, what, you know, where'd it come from? Right. And then, I mean, you did, you did struggle with the, with the chickens and, and, and all that, which made for, you know, it was, you were, you would leave camp and, 
Well, but, but they but yeah. I, I'm curious if the editing portrayed it the way we ended up seeing it is the way it happened. Do you feel it was a fair portrayal of, of exactly what happened? The chicken. So the chicken thing and the irony is, again, I put I was in charge of that puzzle and I told them how to do the puzzle when they won the chicken. If you go back and if you watch because I, I I do puzzles very well. So I sat there and, and I did that. Um, I will say this about Survivor. Everything that I do and everybody else does, we all did it. We all said it. It was all there. It may not always be in the exact context or the editing of how and when it was is said. I mean, it, people can follow me around. A news camera can follow me around all day. And they can see that I'm Susie Homemaker and I'm baking brownies and I drive my kids to school and I'm tucking them into bed and going to football practice, having a great time. But I just washed my kitchen floor and my son comes walking in from mowing the lawn and gets grass on my floor. I go, what the hell are you doing? I just cleaned that. Well, that's what they're going to show. They're not going to show. Did, did I do and say that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But did I also do everything else for the uh, for the other nine hours of the day? Absolutely. But, you know, once they start editing that first show and that first episode, um, they kind of stick to that kind of a storyline. And it's and it's hard to change, you know, right. who, who might be the villain, who might be the good girl, who might be, you know, whatever. Right. No. And you find and sometimes you'll see because you are kind of at the mercy of the the producers, the editors, the storytellers, what they pick and choose is the what they're going to focus on. What's an A storyline, a B storyline. And right. some people and, and I also notice sometimes when you get to the tribal council that I just I sometimes feel like, well, that came came out of left field. I didn't have <laughs> any clue because they didn't feature. <laughs> the strategy <laughs> or what people were doing. And all of a sudden this happens. And I, and it was like, and I, and I don't know if that's just something that because it was 23, 24 years or 23 years ago. Um, but, uh, or if they try to show a little bit more of that now, I mean, I'm just, because it's all a new thing, everybody's learning this whole yeah. new, uh, new show and, and how to tell that story. So I think it's interesting when, when, uh, I, I, I'm just my own curiosity is like, what did they leave out? What did the editor not show us? What's right. what 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 right. shot did they add in there to to heighten that that emotion that's happening right there? Well, when you when you think about the first, you know, probably 10 years or so, one episode was a three day period because you had your challenge, uh, your award challenge. You had your um, immunity challenge. And then you also have your um, tribal council. So those were your big things. So if you have two different tribes, okay, each tribe has at least two cameras going on. So you have a minimum of three days with four cameras just at camp that have been running simultaneously for 72 hours. Mm -hmm. And everything's got to get broken down to a 40-minute episode, right. you know, when you take out the credits and you take out the, the commercials. So there is a lot that you don't see. Right. And there is a lot of boredom <laughs> out there also. Um, but yeah, that's why they have a lot to work with to manipulate, not manipulate their storyline, but they to create characters. Yes. I've, I've always that's said that this, this is it. a manipulative art form. And because when you, when you analyze 
there's there's shots, there's close-ups, there's music that they the letting the audience know that this is funny, or they literally in the in the season one they would put kind of villain music when Richard was yeah. on. <laughs> they put kind of happy go lucky when yeah. somebody else was to yeah. let us know how to feel. So it is a manipulative art form. It's uh-huh. uh, and but then let me ask you uh, for you mentioned tribal council. That's an epic epic scene like where season two is one of the coolest tribal councils because you're on top of that big rock formation right over a cliff yeah like that's nuts it looked like it was a very far hike was it every time oh my god that walk if so now in recent more recent seasons they'll help you get to tribal council kelly was saying they like boat boated you in like 31 or something or yeah Yes, um, because you just can't. You just can't. Um, this one, we were walking, and we're walking carrying this ginormous torch, and you're walking up those rocks. If you look at the time of day when we left, it was still a full sun. When we were getting to Tribal Council, you can see the sun is set. It's dark. It's ready for the fire because we were literally walking the whole time. I mean, I'm surprised none of us broke our neck. It's, going it's very dangerous to walk, to hike over rocks like that. It's yes. that's that's the one of the most dangerous things for people to do. Ab- absolutely. And we're not wearing, you know, rock climbing shoes. We're wearing running shoes. You and know? you go we back were, in the dark. We went back in the dark. And then when we would leave tribal, they drove us to a certain place. Okay. But it's but it's like, it's kind of like they, they make you walk there for two hours. So you're thinking about things, but you can't talk to each other because they don't have the microphones like you right have there. To be the in way complete that you would. silence, or can you yes. talk about like non-game nope. related? Nope, you're hmm. not talking about anything. Nope. That's, I mean, I don't that's think that's impossible for me. <laughs> Trust CG. It was very hard for me. <laughs> very hard. <laughs> but you just keep thinking this could be a million dollars. This could be a million. Right. You sing that song in your head, and then it's like, okay, maybe I can do this. Wow. But um, but yeah, but even now when we were boating, um, in the later seasons, you know, we'd be on the boat, and you have your little handler person. And it's like shh, nobody can say anything, and it's like in the in the. You know, we'd go in like a covered car getting, you know, driven off the boat to wherever we had to go sometimes. And it's like you had your little babysitters there and you just sat there and it was just like hmm. nothing. That is, that's the hardest thing when you have people telling you it's like I need to use the restroom. And they're like, you can't. I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> well, well, oh, and, that, and you know what? That's funny that you say that because that happened to me not once, but both seasons. Really? Because they're like, you can't No, <laughs> the, the first, the very first um, episode. So now you understand, like we didn't, we weren't eating a lot of food. And I think it was when Mike killed the pig. It's like, that's when I had to poop and they had happened to be interviewing me. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I've got to go. They're like, Kimmy, you can't go. We're talking. I'm like, listen, I have not gone in 11 days. Yeah. I got to go. I'm like, you I, I, like literally like I got to cry and I got and I'm going running. And thank God, you know, finally, it's like, OK, I went to the bathroom. But now because we signed our life away before we went, I'm in this massive panic. You know, I was in my 20s then. And, you know, now I don't care. Everybody poops. <laughs> but I'm sitting there when they're going to air it. I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to show me running to the bathroom because I had to poop? Like, this is what goes on in my head because I, I was mortified. Like, I my stomach, it's like I had to go. And they're like, we're just going to finish this. I'm no. like, nope. 
11 oh. days is too long when you, yes. if you're going, you're going. <laughs> yes, it probably I, was like the best, be, better than an orgasm on that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that situation, <laughs> I will agree. <laughs> There's nothing to only imagine. <laughs> but like, because it, no, it just happens when you're out yeah. in the, you know, I was on the Grand Canyon for many, and it was like, that was my biggest fear, not being able. And it was like, yes, every day yeah. that was yeah. the highlight of the day. And uh -huh. they, made it, they featured it on season one with, um, oh, with the, Sean, he was like, I've been yeah. in the bathroom in 14 days and yeah. I finally had a bowel <laughs> movement. Never. Yeah. Like, yeah, go Sean. Yeah, yeah. You had yeah. every right to think that they were going to do it. In fact, as you're yeah. talking, I was like, you know, it's like they didn't even make it. They didn't even sh they haven't even shown your toilet, uh, whatever you guys are using for that. They showed it in the season one. So I'm surprised they didn't use it. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that again, that's a big difference between my first season I played, which is season two and season 31. So we were in the outback. We had to kind of dig a, a hole and that was going to be our toilet area. I mean, I guess everybody thought that we were going to be eating and pooping every day. Never happened. Um, well, then by the time we got to Cambodia, most of the other seasons had been on uh, on ocean. So now when we were doing that handbook, you know, prior to us going with our safety meeting, you know, it's called an aqua dump. And you had to, as a tribe, decide what part of the ocean that your um, camp, that your camp, you know, butts up against. That's where you're going to go to go to the bathroom in the ocean In the ocean. That's they say that's, the, the solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's well, that's my my husband was a was a professional river guide, and that's what they would say if you don't. But that's for usually though. I would thought I usually because in the first season they were digging holes as well to bury it. Interesting. Uh -huh. But you and guys I, picked the ocean. Interesting. But but that but that I guess the evolution of thirty seasons they figured out which was the most cl clean and hygienic, and then you're not risking people walking into it. So mm -hmm. I mean. You go out there into that ocean and it's like everybody's on the beach. It's not like everyone's watching you, but they know what you're doing. Interesting. Because, you know, because you can pee anywhere in the ocean. And I, I mean, if you peed once a day out there, that's a lot. And if you pooped twice while you were out there the whole time, that's a lot. That's interesting. So your calories really are that low that your body's using everything that you're you're ingesting. Yeah. Everything. Wow. Everything. And then w when we won a reward challenge, when we were out, um, on the tuk-tuk, um, Kelly Wigglesworth was on that with us. We got food and we were eating. And then again, it was like, oh my God, I got to go. And and a lot I, of had the, I had the microphone up on me and stuff. And, and I'm like, take this off. They're like, Kim, we're going to be wrapping up in about 10. I'm like, I don't have 10 minutes. I don't. Like, my eyes were crying. I'm like, I've got to go. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm running out in the water. It was like low tide. So you're only in like two or three feet of water and you're trying to squat and go to the bathroom. And everybody knows what you're doing. And then next thing you know, it started hitting everybody else that was there that won the food reward because oh, we hadn't God. eaten anything. And now we're all, everybody's like, get this little microphone off of me. Otherwise it's going in the water. It's you, you have 30 seconds, like take it off now or I'm taking off my shirt. My titties will be flying. Just oh. please, please just go. 
it's it's that serious. Like when you got that urge, it's whew. that is amazing. And actually, Kelly, and that's you, amazing. <laughs> no, it's an amazing story because it's like you know, you you your body is being deprived of something, and as soon as yep. you, it's like just like literally like plugging in the electricity, getting stimulated. But, yes. but Kelly was saying, she was saying like, and it may and sounds pretty similar the, in the first season and similar to the second season. She said we really didn't have that much. She said by season thirty one, she said we had an abundance of fruit and she, she thought that she was like, the fruit was rotting. Not, not everybody was. Oh. And oh, yeah. I, it was a completely different experience. Like the hunger thing she said in the first season was so bad that people weren't like, they were concerned for people's health and just being able to, uh-huh. to, to do the challenges. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause you, you think that there's an abundance with food, um, but I didn't have rice until we merged on the second season oh, because we didn't, oh, you guys didn't win that bag. We didn't win the bag, but we were able to get, Oh yeah, you can get all that food and supplies off the boat. Yeah. That's great. You're out in Cambodia where it's a hundred degrees on a beach. So all those bananas that you brought that got bruised and damaged, they sit in your counter for a week and they turn brown. What yeah. do you think at an accelerated rate in the hot hours sun yeah. and everything? I mean, it was, I mean, some of the stuff was fermenting. We're like, well, we could get drunk on this, you know, <laughs> because it's like a mango and I can't, I do not like mangoes. I, and somebody grabbed a bunch of mangoes. And I remember on like day three or four, they're coming over with a tray. They're like, here's a mango. And I'm like, oh, I, I, oh. and I'm just, trying to get the stupid mango down because I needed it. Um, it, it, Is there, we we said that um, we asked Kelly the same thing. How long has it been? She said to this day, it's hard to eat rice. Is there, is there a food, uh, food item that's difficult for you to eat today? Right. Rice makes me smile. (laughs) I like, I I like rice. You're like, it's as long as it's not pig. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's not pig. Um, But this, but snails, like when we were in Cambodia, I, I, I found my best thing was to, like I said, give my opinion on something. And then I went over and I'd go fishing or snailing, whatever. And I would always come back. Like I would not come back until I found some snails and I could be out there forever. And when you got a snail, you boil the snail. There's no garlic. There's no butter. You put a little bit of salt water in there, but you can't do too much because, you know, too much salt water is not good for you. You actually dehydrate. So, you get the snail and you don't want to chew it because you boil it. It's rubber and you're just knocking it out and it comes out in this big lump. And it got to a point where not even chewing it, just taking it and swallowing it. So I would never order escargot. Not that I think that I ever would, <laughs> but I, yeah. that's probably the only thing. Can I ask you about the famous argument with Alicia? Thank you all for joining us on the Bye Bitches podcast. And that was part one of Kimmy Kappenberg. Head over to our Patreon to hear part two and a lot more tea. Thank you, Kimmy, so much for being here and CG. Please follow, rate, and review. It really helps the podcast. And also, if you head over to Patreon, that really supports us as well. You can follow CG at CG Mirror. And uh, I am the Melinda Clark at the Melinda Clark. Um, Those are both on TikTok and Instagram. Okay. Bye, bitches.